listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can take your Bibles, and as you're opening your Bibles, if you do not have a Bible, our ushers are coming forward with Bibles in their hands, and they have a copy for you to take with you. Please take it. It is uh, to use this morning, and if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to take that Bible home. It is a gift for you to be able to read and to study, and we believe so solidly in the Word of God and in the truths that's proclaimed. It's just not a historical book. It is the Word of God that can change and transform our lives through his spirit that is, is alive and working in all, of the, in all of God's children. And so have your Bibles open to Acts 4. We're going to look at Acts 4 as well as Philippians 3. We're going to start in Acts 4 and then we're going to spend some time just working through a number of verses there in Philippians 3. And so this morning we start a new series called All Together. And, you know, God's heart for his people is that we would be united together in heart, in mind, and in purpose. Psalm 133, love this verse in Psalm 133, and it it says, when believers dwell together in unity, there God establishes, God bestows a blessing. It goes on to say, even life forevermore. And, And I don't know about you, but I would love to be under that established blessing of God for not only my life, but for each one of us here, that when we dwell together in unity, God shows up and adds a blessing. And as we head into this fall, after a busy summer for some of you, chaotic, there is traveling, there is relaxing, all these different things. And as we come off of these summer months um, and, and we've been here, there, and everywhere, we can get distracted, we can get out of routines, and even get lazy when it comes to spiritual disciplines that are so vital and so important. And today we're probably all at different places, even in our walk with the Lord and where we're feeling today and, 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 and where we're actually at in, in regards to the spiritual disciplines and, and our, the living out of, of the Christian life, and, and, and it is my heart that God would unite us together, all together today, together for the gospel, we would be together in the word of God, and allow God's word to penetrate our hearts right where it is at, there would be no hidden departments or compartments in our heart that we wouldn't allow God to be, uh, to have free reign, and to, to come in, and to convict, and we would cut out of our lives, or we would add, add other things into our lives, that, that we would lay our, our hearts before God in this way, and we would walk out of here the this morning, excited, amazed, united over what God has done in your life this morning and what he's desiring to do in your life as we head into the fall of 2017. And, and, and I trust that, that this would just be an amazing season for you, for your family, for the life of this church, for this region, and for the lives that we are entrusted to care for and to love, whether that's here locally or even in helping in different endeavors around the world. So let's look at Acts chapter 4. This is where I want to begin here because here we see something powerful. For me, I I get excited when I read this, and this summer when I read it, read it, and in my Bible, in, uh, in, in most of the, the Bibles that I use, um, scattered around the house or at the office, I, uh, beside these passages in the book of Acts, I write, oh God, do it again. Oh God, would you do this again? Whoa, I would love to be a part of this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, picking out some verses here, and it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one was said 
was said that any of the things that, that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And here we see in these verses just the power of the gospel that what happens when the gospel penetrates a heart there is a unity and there's a freedom. We see impactful prayer happening. We see everyone. It says they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We see a boldness to be willing to speak the truth of, of God's word with boldness, just not on Sunday morning in church, but in our own personal lives and our relationships at work, at home, at the office, with family members, with friends. And there, there was a sacrificial generosity, a deep love and caring for one another. There was this unity, this, this one heart, this one soul that they were united together in. And it's little wonder as you read through those first few chapters of the book in Acts, we see it specifically in Acts 2 and then later on in Acts 5. I love these verses. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And when I read this, as I said, I, I, I pray to God, oh God, do this again. Allow me to be part of this kind of a work. And, and, I, and, and God is desirous of this. And, and, and now the context and what exactly it looks like, it wouldn't be identical to this, but to see these same elements happening in our life, in my life, in the life of this church and, 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 and in the church of Jesus Christ. And yet, in reality, so oftentimes our experience and what we do is the opposite of this. Our prayers, instead of being impactful, often lack power, or we often, when it, we think of prayer, instead of power and buildings being shaken, we're thinking of guilt, and we don't pray enough, or we say, I don't even know how to pray. Or, or instead of living in the power of the Holy Spirit, we try to muscle through life and through ministry and, and through our daily routine in our own strength and lots and lots of coffee. Or we fill our lives with various substitutes and, and, and lesser things rather than be filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And instead of living generous lives, we live busy lives, calculated lives, living out our own agenda first, our own plans, and then if there's a little extra time or resources, then, then maybe I'll consider others. Then maybe I'll serve. Maybe then I'll, I'll, I'll share with others, but I've got to figure out, you know, what, 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 what will, you know, I can, what's the bottom line in my own life first. And rather than unity and blessing in the body of Christ, sadly, a lot of times there's hurt and there's bitterness in our relationships, whether that be in families whether that be within churches or denominations. And yet today, folks, I believe in the power of the gospel and the word of God that what God has once done, he is willing to do again in this way. And it happens when we are all together. And I'd like for us this morning as we, as we begin here for us, each one of us, to kind of do a little self-examination. This is self-examination of yourself, not of the other selves living, uh, sitting around you or, you know, a family member or thinking, boy, I wish uh, so-and-so was here today. They need to really hear this because that, they really need to consider where they're. No, it's, it's for a self-examination this morning. And, uh, and, and I trust that, that we would do this this morning. And that, like, I prayed a few more moments ago that God's word, as we see these truths in his word come alive, that, that God would cut away uh, what needs to be cut out of our lives and what needs to be repented of, we would repent of, and what needs to be built in and shaped and molded uh, in, in the fashion after the Lord Jesus Christ, we would do that and that God would, would change our lives and he would even change this room here this morning through his power. And so the first question I, I have for you this morning is I ask you where you are. First of all, have you started? Have you started the Christian life? Have you been born again? I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer. Have you been born again? Have you been born from above? Now all of us 
Is everyone still alive? Okay, so, so you're alive, so, so that means your heart is still ticking. That means that, thanks mom, you've been born from this earth. You, you, you are born of this earth because of your mom and because of your dad, that, that you have, you've had your, your earthly birth, but now the word of God, and, and, and as I've already referred to this being born again in John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and, and he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? I have to go back in my mother's womb? Like, you know, come back out again? I think that's a little impossible to see the size of my mother, see the size of me. You know, I mean, how can that ever happen? But you see, Nicodemus was a guy who lived a really good life. And you may have been living a really good life, a religious life. You've gone to church. You've, you, you, you've, you've served in, in various... Um, aspects of church life. You've taught Sunday school. You've memorized the Bible. You've even prayed a prayer. But that doesn't mean that necessarily that you're going to heaven, that you've been born from above. Jesus said, we must be born again. We need to be born from above. So how am I born from above? How does this go about happening? Well, first of all, the Bible teaches us, teaches us all that we have all sinned and we have fallen short of God's glory. One little, one little, itty, bitty, little, little, little sin throws it all off. One little sin, it takes one sin to separate us from God because of his purity because of his majesty, because of his holiness. One little sin separates us from God. And you see in the heart of each one of us that in every human that is ever born, there is a longing and a yearning that there must be something more to this life. But nothing and no one will ever satisfy and fill that void until you have a personal relationship with God in the way that we're talking about here this morning. We have this void, this hole, this emptiness in our heart, and we can try to fill it with everything, and it won't. It'll give temporary excitement and thrills and satisfaction, but it won't last. There'll always be something more. And so it's in understanding this that I'm a sinner and that God is holy and, and, and there's this desire for something more, for, for, for a relationship or for something more than, than what we can experience here on this earth. And we have to understand that in all of this, God's deep, vast love for us. Yes, he is holy and he's majestic and, and he's pure and, and yet he loves us so much. And so God loves us so much that he sent his one, his only son down to this earth to be born as a baby, to live on this earth without sin, to, to teach and to show us the way, to show us the Father's heart and the way that we can respond and we can live in a relationship with God our Father as Jesus demonstrated it to us while he lived here on this earth earth and then he went to the cross and he died even though he did nothing wrong he paid the penalty he took our sin upon himself so that that sin would be atoned for there would be payment for that sin and when we take and we receive that good news and we take these truths and we apply them to our lives and we ask Jesus to come into our life as our Lord, as our Savior, as the one who paid the penalty for our sins. He comes in and, and, and when he does that, we are born again and the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the Spirit of Jesus, and he begins to transform and to change us and, and, and we'll continue to sin. I trust that through the years that, that as we walk with Christ, we're sinning less and less. But here's the thing, as we stumble, as we fall, as we sin, we hate it. All of a sudden there's this change because the Holy Spirit is in us and, 
and, and is convicting and, and it, it doesn't fit anymore. And, you know, I think some of the, the, the most miserable people on the face of this earth are Christians who are living in sin, living in areas of sin and rebellion in their life because they know the Holy Spirit is convicting. And maybe that voice of conviction is, has grown rather dull in their ears or in their heart and it's still there. And they can't enjoy sin like they used to. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is, is calling them and, and, and reminding them that there's a better way, that Christ paid the penalty for that sin. They don't have to live that life any further. And now at times, how oftentimes people have prayed a prayer at summer camp or at a crusade. We even heard in Jackson's testimony and and oftentimes when, when we pray a prayer and, and the pastor says, follow me and pray this prayer, it's oftentimes kind of like a fire insurance prayer. It's like we want to avoid hell. We want heaven. I mean, we, we want to get our fire insurance, that's for sure. And so, so, so we want a savior. We want someone to save us from that. But, but, but we oftentimes, we aren't called to and we don't want Jesus as our Lord. And he can't be savior without being our Lord. It's Lord and Savior where, because oftentimes we still want to be in charge in our life. Yes, I want Jesus as my Savior, but I want to be the Lord. I want to be the one calling the shots. I want to be the one in control of, of, of my destiny, if you want to say it, or my future, or my finances, or, or my time. It's all me, but I, I, I want Jesus as Savior. But when we receive him as Lord and Savior, I, I uh, read one example this past week of, of uh, a man, it, it was an outside, outdoor service that they were having and, and the offering basket was going, going by and, and, and he took the, the offering basket, I guess it was more of a, a plate of some sort, and he put it down on the ground and, and the usher was just kind of a little confused and a people, few people sitting around and, and just wondering, you know, what's he doing? Oh, he must be digging out his wallet. So he put the, the offering basket down and then he took off his shoes and then he stepped inside the offering plate just as a way in saying, Lord, I give myself to you as an offering. I surrender it all to you. I surrender myself. And that is in some ways kind of a unique picture of the surrender of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. And when we receive Jesus Christ as savior, but also the Lord that we are willing to repent and turn from our sins and follow God's way and, and to live the best that we can in the power of the Holy Spirit, help from the body of Christ, to, to live in, in obedience to the word of God, we are born from above. No works that we can do except to receive this free gift of salvation. And we start the Christian life. And so I ask you, have you started the Christian life? I'm not asking if you prayed the prayer. I'm asking, have you started? Have you received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? You can do that today. You can do that in, in a prayer in, in, in your heart before God or turn to someone after the service who, who you're with or that you know is a believer in Christ. Talk to myself or to, um, to, to someone else to be able to talk with further. We'd love to pray with you and, and, and make sure that, that that has been a reality in your life and be able to talk and pray with you further and encourage you. And if this is your story, you have then started the Christian Christian life. But then I have another question for you. How's it going? How's it going, this Christian life thing? It's not easy. Are you succeeding in the Christian life? Is there, you know, like some spiritual fruitfulness that you're experiencing? Are you enjoying some rich times with God in the word, in prayer, in personal, and in, in, in corporate worship? You know, like whether you're worshiping here on a Sunday or on your own, and, and there's just kind of a closeness between you and God. It, are you succeeding? Is, is there some good growth in your life? 
and, and, and a growing humility and dependency in your life. Oh God, I can't, but you can. And, and, and are you enjoying this rich time? And, and, and maybe one of the ways that you can look at this and, and the card that you should have received on your way in here, that 5G life, I mean, this isn't the be all end all, but it's a pretty good description of, of what it means to be following Christ. It even says, I follow Christ. How are your times of abiding in Christ in a relationship with him? How is your connection time with Jesus Christ? Are you connecting with him? Are you connecting with other believers in, in prayer, in study, and in encouragement? How about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? And, and then those, those good old five G's on the flip side of that, you know, as far as how's our God time, our gather time, group time, and, and give time, our, and your go time, are, are these going well in your life? Or maybe you'd look and say, you know, there's some areas that need some shoring up. I know in my own life when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? There's, there's some areas where I can get lazy in, and there's areas I need to step up in my life. And so I, I trust that today that we would have a desire, all of us, to be succeeding and we would, would see that become a greater reality in our lives. Or I wonder, maybe you're here today and things aren't going so well, you, you're stalling. There's been some good momentum in the past, some spiritual fruitfulness and, and, and good growth, but, but you kind of haven't cracked the Bible in a while. Maybe for days or weeks or maybe it's even been a few months or two. And there is some sin that is getting into our lives that we've allowed and is starting to gain some traction and you're kind of stalling out in your relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you're settling. Maybe you're settling into some comfort and, and, and you know, there's been a good run in your life, so to speak, of spiritual growth and activity and, and uh, you've served in, in various capacities and, and now it's kind of time to literally, even though I don't like it, put your feet up in church and, uh, and, and, and just kind of rest in, in your salvation and just kind of, you know, just, you know, just rest in, in a successful past and you've, you're just kind of settling down a little bit. Or maybe you're sliding today. Maybe you're sliding and losing ground and in some area. Sin has a chokehold in your life and it's not good. I mean, you're here today, but really what's going on in your life I mean, you're barely holding on. You're kind of like, you know, on, on the top of, of a hillside, but you're starting to, the old vehicle is, is kind of heading down the hill, and then all of a sudden you start to realize, oh, this ground is muddy, it's slippery. And all of a sudden you're sensing this vehicle slowly going down, and that might describe where you're at right now. You're on this, this slide action, and it's, it, it, it leads to some despair and to um, some some devastation, uh, maybe it's an area of fear that is just, it's gained such a foothold in your life that, that you can't even think straight anymore. Are you there? Are you there? I've been there. I've been there. And it's terrible to be sliding and, 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 and you wear the smile, you're saying the right things and yet on the inside, maybe it's a, an addiction that maybe even no one even knows about or it's a train of thought or it's an anger or bitterness and, 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 and even, even when you think about that person or that situation, you just get riled up on the inside. And maybe that's even happening to you even right now as you're hearing this. You say, I don't want to hear this and, and, and there's this spiritual slide going on in your life. Oh, folks, there's hope. There's hope. And that brings us to the last S I want to look at here before we uh, look to Philippians chapter 3 and, and this striving this striving is my prayer for all of us. That we would be striving after God's heart. And what do you mean, what do you mean by striving? 
Well, we get an understanding from this in Philippians chapter 3 as we take a look at Paul's life. And here we get a very personal look into the heart of, Apostle, of the Apostle Paul. And this passage gives us such an insight into his heart and an accurate description for us today about what the Christian life should look like. Very practical. And, and here is what we see in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Paul says, Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made it, that I have not made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so this morning altogether, as we, as we look through these, these verses here in our moments that we have together here this morning, altogether I pray and I trust that humbly we would admit that we haven't arrived. That there would be humility in our walk with the Lord and we would humbly admit, each one of us, that we haven't arrived. arrived. Here we have the Apostle Paul, one of the most famous, most influential Christians Declaring here in a very public way as he writes this letter, he's saying, not that I've already attained or have been made perfect. I do not consider that I have made it my own. When Paul was writing this, he's writing from prison. Things aren't going very well for him. His future is not looking very secure. And, and he's in prison for preaching the gospel, for doing the work of Christ. He had been at this time a believer, a Christian. He had that Damascus Road experience that we read about in Acts 9. And now 30 years have gone by. For 30 years, he's been a follower of Christ and in public ministry for about 25 years. And, and, and in those 25 years, and even actually since his conversion, you just see a catastrophic impact for the gospel. How God used the life of the Apostle Paul. Following his conversion, the Damascus Road experience in Acts 9, there was such a stir in the city of Damascus that he was forced to fear, uh, to flee for his own life. And then for the next number of years as he was preparing and waiting for God's call. Are you waiting for God's call today? And, and you're thinking, I know that God has something more for me, and, and, and he's kind of waiting. The Apostle Paul is waiting. It, it didn't stop him from, from sharing the gospel. He was busy even in that time evangelizing and, and sharing the gospel in Arabia, in Tarsus, in Cilicia. And you just see some of these areas here. I'm going to just roll through this of the impact that the Apostle Paul had. We read in Acts 11 then that Paul was brought to Antioch by Barnabas. And there he kind of officially got involved in, in, in hands-on ministry. And they turned the church there in Antioch into kind of a mission sending base that would propel church plants and the gospel penetration throughout the ancient world. And that happened by them spending a year together with the church and equipping and strengthening and getting them ready in, in Antioch to do that. Then Paul went and he preached and he planted churches on the island of Cyprus, a string of churches through Galatia, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, then into Europe, in Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica, and Corinth, and he just continued to keep on going. In Athens, he proclaims the gospel, and then later in Ephesus, he goes and he plants a church there, a strong church that ended up planting a string of other churches. He ends up being imprisoned in Rome, and yet even in the threat 
threat of death. He continued to preach the gospel even to the, the, the uh, Roman guards that were there. Paul influenced so many people for the gospel, planted churches. He built into the lives of, of oftentimes it was young men, Timothy and Titus and, and Luke and Gaius and Silas and on and on, various men and, and women that, that also followed along and, and he equipped and he trained and he, he involved them in, in, in great ministry for the gospel. God used him to perform miracles, to heal the sick, the, to, to heal the lame. He cast out demons. He went through hardships and trials. He was beaten and scourged and shipwrecked and stoned. And, and, and he knew what it was like to be sleepless and, and to be hungry and, 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 and to be thirsty and to be cold and, and, and naked and even lonely. In 25 years of ministry, Paul became one of the most Christ-like mature believers in the history of God's people. I don't know if there would be another example like him. And yet, in humility, with all of this in his resume, he says here in verse 12, I haven't arrived. I'm still pressing on. I'm still going. I'm not going to quit this fight. I'm not going to quit running. And one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is acknowledging that we haven't arrived. None of us have arrived. Only Jesus has arrived. And we have to be so careful of an attitude that makes us think to ourselves or make us look like to others that we have arrived. Oh, may there be a humility and a dependency upon God that would mark our lives, that we haven't arrived, that we would press on. What was it that humbled Paul? What was the thing that continued to humble him? You know what it was? It was the gospel. He was so humble and he was so moved by the mercy and the grace and the love of God that he would be, that God would save someone like him and that God would sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus, to endure that painful, brutal death on the cross for him. And that's why Encouraging Philippians 3.10 to underline those words in verse 10 where Paul makes this declaration, I want to know Christ. My desire is I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ more and more and more. Here he had this remarkable life and yet he admits I still haven't arrived. Oh dear folks here today, I, I wonder if we would all admit and could admit in our own hearts here and that's where it starts admitting in our hearts and then even by how we practically live it out to others around us that, no, I haven't arrived. That we need to grow in Christ-likeness. We need to keep pressing on. Our salvation is sure. We're not working for our salvation. We're not humble to try to get saved. That, that happens when we settle that issue of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But in verse 13, it goes on. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and the second thing, I encourage you to write it down. Forget what needs to be forgotten. We need to forget what needs to be forgotten. One of the marks of Christian maturity and growth involves a capacity to forget. <laughs> you know, one of the good things with age, um, that capacity starts to happen kind of naturally. Um, uh, right, Norm? You know, like it just does. I mean, just the older you get, you start to get more forgetful. I'm even finding that in my dear wife. Um, you know, and uh, well, and uh, obviously in my own life as well. But we need to grow in the capacity to forget. Uh, you cannot run the race of life that God has called us to live 
without a capacity to forget. You can't run the race. A runner cannot run a race effectively towards the prize or even to look at a hope of finishing it if you're always looking in the, the rear back behind you. Oh yeah, quick little checks. The same thing, when you're driving the vehicle, if you're just looking in your rear view mirror the whole time and you're not looking in, in, in front, you're going to be in serious trouble. And yet so oftentimes our lives are marked by not forgetting what is behind. We hold on to what is behind in good ways and also in not good things that have gone on in our lives. That which is behind us in our lives, we must learn to leave it with the Lord. I'm, I'm not saying that we forget God's past faithfulness. I'm not talking about his benefits or his mercy or, or, or the blessed memories and the valuable lessons we've learned along the way. I'm not saying forget those. What Paul is saying here in this passage is that we are not to set our minds on these things. Our mind isn't supposed to be set on these things. The past is not to affect us adversely by focusing on and by living there. We are to live with a forward motion. We are to continue continue to keep living and pressing on towards who? Towards what? Towards Christ. And whether that might be past accomplishments, past successes and victories. I mean, Paul easily could have said, well, look at my resume. As, as I've already given you much of his spiritual resume, I mean, there is more to it. He could have said, look at what I've done. And he's like, no, forgetting what is behind. I'm not going to rest on that. I'm thankful for, for how God has used me, but I'm going to press on. But this also means past sins and failures. And this would have been huge for the Apostle Paul. The memories from his past, the guilt, the shame, the regret. Folks, this is something that can drive us away from intimacy with God and from pressing on to what he would have for us. It's past sins and past hurts and failures. Oh, how at times, we wish we wouldn't have said those words or we would have said those words or, or that we wouldn't have entered into that relationship or I wish I wasn't so cruel or so hurtful or committed that sexual sin or even perhaps had that abortion. There's forgiveness for all of these things. I wish I hadn't committed that crime. I wish I wouldn't have gotten drunk in that occasion and, and I crossed the line and I said and I did things that I, I so, so much regret. Or as a parent, we can live with, with regrets or guilt over decisions that we made when it came to raising our children. And we're like, oh, I just wish I could have done it differently. And we continue to keep looking back at these things and they hinder us from pressing on and pressing ahead. And Paul, no doubt, could relate to this full on. So if I'm describing anything in your life here today, or maybe it's things I haven't said in, in, in your life, but, but it's things, it's past failures and shortcomings and sins from your past, and it's just paralyzing you, and you just can't get away from it, and you can't find that freedom, let's learn from the Apostle Paul. Remember about Paul's life before that Damascus Road experience, his zeal, his violence. He was a Christian terrorist. Well, he was a terrorist out to kill Christians. He was very zealous, very passionate about opposing Christianity. And he stood there at the scene when Stephen was being martyred, was being stoned to death. And being stoned was a very slow and a very painful death. And he was there. In fact, he had piled up the coats of, of the individuals that were doing the stoning. He gave approval for Stephen to be stoned, the first Christian martyr. He was responsible for pulling men and women from their homes, throwing them into prison, having some of them killed, and leaving children as orphans, afraid and terrified. This was a part of his ugly stain in life. What a past. But now Paul is saying, now in forgetting 
what is behind me. He's not pretending it didn't happen. But when he came to Christ and acknowledged his sin to God, he believes and he knows that God forgave him. And folks, God can and will forgive you no matter what has happened in your past. There is no sin that is greater than God's grace and his mercy. And it extends to you today. That's the amazing thing about our God. He's not like, well, you know, I'm going to think about it. You know, you prayed that prayer, but you know what? The Trinity, we're going to have a little time out here. We're going to have a little discussion about whether or not we should really accept you, you know, into the family of God. Or, oh, you know what? We're going to, oh, you repented, but we're going to take some time to, to, to kind of think about whether or not we're going to forgive you for that sin. No, our God is the God of the now. And he is ready to receive you as a son or a daughter today, right now. He's ready to call and to have the prodigal come back right now. Those sins forgiven right now. And when we repent, when we ask him to forgive us of our past, he forgives any and all sins. How about those situations? What about those sins that we've committed since becoming Christians? There's a lot of guilt and a lot of condemnation that can come into our lives in our own heart, from others. You're a Christian. How could you say that? I thought you went to church. I thought you were baptized. I thought you were a pastor. Boy, I've heard that enough. Why did you say that? Or else we beat ourselves up on the inside. What do we do when we recognize, when, when we're convicted and we see that we've sinned? What do we do? 1 John 1, 9. Beautiful, beautiful verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness right on. You guys are getting at this. And yes, we are new creations, but we still sin. But we hate it. We hate it. We hate it. And, and Paul writes, I, I mean, of that hatred towards that sin, towards wanting to do good. Romans 7. Write down Romans 7. Read that this afternoon as you see his epic struggle. Again, he's just, he's an open book. He's not pretending there's no pomp and circumstance. I'm the mighty, holy, powerful Apostle Paul. No, Romans 7, he just shows he's a basket case when it comes. Things I do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't do, I do. And, 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 he, and he ends up, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of sin? And who can deliver him? And he declares, but thanks be to God for Jesus. Jesus delivers me. Jesus forgives and what do we do when we sin? We take it to Jesus Christ, our advocate. Jesus Christ, as we learned in 1 John, the righteous. He's there pleading our case to God. And when we say, Lord, forgive me, that blood is once again applied to our lives. We are forgiven. And the communication lines between us and God are restored. We first of all, when we take our sin, we take, we confess it to God. But then we also, if we've heard Others in our sin, by our sin, if our sin involves others, we confess it to them in humility as well and we tell them we are sorry so that the healing process can begin in their lives as well. And so it's forgetting past accomplishments, past sins. How about the hurts from others? Have you ever been hurt or disappointed by another Christian? By a Christian leader? Someone you trusted? Someone you trusted deeply? A parent, a grandparent, a teacher, someone who, who you trusted and, and, and they broke that trust. You were disappointed. You were hurt by them. If it hasn't happened to you, just wait. It will. It will, guaranteed. It happened to Jesus. It'll happen to us. And we need to forgive. And we need to move on and, for, and quit looking back. 
Quit holding it against their account. Be set free, set them free through forgiveness. And Paul is writing this, he's writing from prison. And you know what's happening while he's in prison? Here he's in prison, and meanwhile, there's Christian leaders right there in Rome who are going around taking advantage of him being in prison, positioning themselves into a greater prominence in the Christian circle. He's in prison. He's kind of the, the leader of Christianity, of, of the church there. But there's these other guys, and they're not very godly men, and they're positioning themselves. And what does he say? Hey, the gospel's going forward. God's the judge. God will look after him. He doesn't allow the hurts from others, what they're doing. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I encourage you to write that, that one down towards the end there. Paul writes that while he was on trial in Rome, and here he is just sharing his heart. He said, no one stood with him. No one came to his defense. You know how huge this is? Here you have, remember that resume of all the things that, I've, that, that we spoke about, Paul? How he influenced the lives of so many? How many people came to faith in Jesus Christ because of him? Were baptized, became elders and leaders in the church, had their lives transformed by the power of the gospel. And now he's on trial and no one, no one, no one, no one would come and stand with him. What a kick in the gut that would have been. Serving the Lord full time, given it like this is, and at a very trying time in his life, no one was there. Folks, you need to realize that say, serving the Lord, saying yes to Jesus and following him, at times will be very, very lonely. Even though you can be in community with others, that at times serving the Lord and following him will be very lonely. Whether it's full time or in a lay capacity, at times, where did everyone go? I thought we were all in on this. They're busy. They're distracted. They're busy with good things. They're busy with bad things. But what did Paul say there in 2 Timothy 4? He says, may it not be counted against them. What does he say? The Lord stood with me. I wasn't alone. The Lord was with me. The Lord was helping me. He, he didn't allow... He, for, he forgot because he had forgiven the past, the hurts from others. And you know what happens when you're a good forgiver? When God enables you and you choose to forgive, you become an amazing forgetter. You, you, you forget the details. You can't remember. If you're not forgiving, you hold on to it. You've written them down. You don't even need to write them down. They're all right there. You, you can string up a list of wrongs and hurts of what people have done to you. When you forgive, and forgiving can be a process that can take some time. You become an incredible forgetter. You, you forget the, the details don't matter. It doesn't matter. God's covered it. God's forgiven. So how do I forget though? Melden, it's hard. I have these things in my past, past accomplishments, past sins, hurts from others. How do I do it? Write down Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 and then 2 Corinthians 10. Powerful verses. First of all, Romans 12, 2 talks about that our minds need to be renewed. How are our minds renewed? Through the word of God. It's getting to know the word of God. That we would have minds fashioned after the word of God. A mind that, that is testing everything through the word of God. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 10, or 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. When past thoughts come, folks, you've got to go to the bank on these verses. When the past thoughts come, when their hurts come, when there's opportunity to, to start living in the past or, or, or living in condemnation or guilt over things that have happened in the past, we take that 
what is in our mind. We take what is rolling around in there and we test it by the word of God. We take it captive. We take hold of it and we test it by the word of God. What does... What does God's word have to say about this? Did I ask God to forgive me for this sin? Then I am forgiven. It's done. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The devil loves to condemn us of our sin. And we bring it out in that way. What would Paul have done there as he's standing on trial? And he's experiencing perhaps for a season some hurt or some disappointment that no one was standing with him. He remembered the truth that even Jesus he would have gone back to the word of God where Jesus, he would remember how Jesus was left all alone, abandoned. Like, okay, this thing can, can happen to, to God's servants. It can be abandoned and left alone, but then what did he declare? He says, but, but the Lord stood with me. Is that true in the word of God that God's word tells us that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I am there with you when you're through the fire, when you're going through the storm, I am there with you. He went to the word of God. And he was able to take those hurts and those circumstances and flush them through with the word of God and allow what needs to be washed away to be washed away and what needs to be remembered to be remembered. We must know that in whatever event from our past, there is one event greater than our past. There is one event that outweighs and covers anything from our past and any hurt, any bitterness, any regret, and that is the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ outweighs it all. And so we reject those things that need to be rejected. We forget what needs to be forgotten. And then thirdly and finally here we see and we passionately pursue Christ above all else. Look at what he says. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, he's not stalling. Remember those S words we had up near the beginning? He's not stalling, settling, sliding. He's not, he's striving. He's pressing forward. Paul's pressing forward for a fuller knowledge of Christ. He wants to know Christ in a greater and greater way in his life as he declared in verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know his power. I want to know his strength. I want to know what it's like to suffer and go through this and yet to know that God is with me. This is a lifetime journey. This is a lifetime adventure. And here in this passage, as well as in some of other Paul's writings, we have this athletic imagery. An athletic imagery that he uses here for a race or for a boxing match that he even um, talks about later on involves discipline, training, preparation, and we need to, to, to do that in our passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. That's where following along and, and using you know, the 5G life as, as a great reminder, and you find more details about this on our website, but, 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 but these truths are, are, are these areas I'm growing in, these disciplines in the word of God and, and pursuing this holiness in our lives. And it's living our lives for his plans and for his purposes. And so, so often we get this so wrong, folks. So oftentimes we plot the course for our life. We come up with our plans, our agendas, our goals, and our dreams, and then we say, okay, God, and we throw a little bit of God dust over it. We want him just to bless it all. Just give us, you know, just our heart's desire, and, and God, now help make it happen. Here's what I want to do, and we don't allow him to set the course for our life. Did you know that God has a specific plan and a purpose for your life? to use you to bless others. 
And not just bless others in the physical realm, but spiritually to be a blessing, to be an encouragement. This is what Paul says when he says, I press on towards the upcall of God in Christ. It's living beyond ourselves. It's not living for the here and the now only. It's living for the up call. What's the up call? The up call happens when the last call is given for you here on this earth. Whether it is your heart that stops beating and you're a believer in Christ, the up call happens and you are in heaven. Or when Jesus Christ returns, then that raptures his church. That is going to be some up call. And until then, we are to be living a life beyond ourselves, not just about our plans or agenda. It's not about me, myself, and I, that unholy trinity in our lives. It's living with eternity in mind. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, verses 8 and 9 are golden verses that show us how we are saved, that we are saved by God's grace, by faith in him, not by works. But then in verse 10, he says, but then from our salvation, from God's grace and his mercy, from being born again. Then he says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us to do. God has a prepared plan and purpose for your life and it doesn't all revolve around you. God has this revealed plan and purpose and when we are saved and we are brought into his family, he calls us to bless one another, to bless others then through the body of Christ. And here's something else, and it's beyond our comprehension, that God wants to use you in ways that, that you can't ask for or imagine. And oftentimes, though, God's plan and purpose for our lives and the way that he wants to use us, it starts in some very humbling ways. Maybe not very glorious ways or people don't even know, but God, you see the servants that God has used. He uses them oftentimes on the backside of the wilderness for a number of years to test their heart, to grow their heart, to see where they're at. And it's even at times in those wilderness experience where God shows up in mighty ways. And God may use us in God, first of all, he, a lot of times we think, well, God has a plan and purpose for my life. Is that preaching? Is that teaching? Is that standing on street corners? Is it a missionary? Is it blah, blah, blah? All these? No, it's being faithful what God gives you to do today to be a servant, to be a humble servant of his. It might mean washing and cleaning toilets, cleaning floors, working with kids, working with seniors, working where, wherever God calls you to work. The up call can though be very overwhelming because it can get tiring, but it's a divine call and so we obey it and we follow it and know that God will empower us to do it. And he will do in and through our life and your life more than you can ever imagine. You say, I can't, but it's just like, you're right, you can't, but in all things through Christ, I can do all things. God gives us the power through his son, Jesus. Yet so oftentimes we press on for the lesser things, the lesser things of this world and the lesser things of this life. Living for the here and now, making money, buying stuff, experiencing as much as we can, all the while guarding our comfort and excusing our complacency. And yet God says, I have a higher purpose. Passionately pursue Christ above all things and getting to know him and, and fall deeper in love with him through the power of the gospel. And then it's being willing to be involved in the up call, in his plans and his purpose for you. May we all together press towards this. May we humbly admit we haven't arrived. May we live and walk in humility. You have a very human, very un, uh, unarrived, could you say, I don't know if that's, that's even a word, unarrived pastor. 
I need God to continue to do this work in my life. I need to keep pressing forward. Would you pray for me in that? And I'll pray for you in that. That we'd be people straining together, all together in this. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you and this morning. We just humbly admit that, that we need you. We haven't arrived and we need more of you. And may our hearts desire, as we even go into this next week, like the Apostle Paul, oh God, I want to know you. I want to know you greater. I want to know you in, in a deeper way personally. And we learn about you and your incredible ways, primarily through your word. And may your word this week come alive. May the Bible get cracked open in the lives that haven't opened the Bible in a long time. And may we find a feast prepared for us as we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. May we forget what needs to be forgotten. And Lord, there's some deep hurts in this room here today over things that have happened, whether that be in the recent weeks, months, years, or even decades. Oh, may we grow in that, in our ability to forgive. And we don't do it in our power and our strength. We do it all because of the blood of Christ the power of the Holy Spirit, and may we press on. And Father, I believe so much that as we're all together in pressing on and striving forward, this world better watch out. This region better watch out for what you can do and what you desire to do in the body of Christ that takes these truths and humbly lives them and in dependency calls on you for for more and more of you and for your power and your strength. And I just encourage you, even as we end in worship here this morning, I have to ask you, what is it in your past that's nipping at your heels? If you need help in, in forgiving that and forgetting that, and we'd love to talk to you on that. What area do you need to see God's grace and his mercy applied? What things do you need to forget? What sins that are, are grabbing hold of you and you need to, to cut them off? God is willing. He's the God of the now. If you don't know him today, he desires to save you, to be your Lord and Savior today. And you might not even know fully what that encompasses and you won't know until you receive him as Lord and Savior and his Holy Spirit comes in and he starts growing and changing and doing a deeper work in you that you couldn't ask for or imagine. Oh God, unite us. Unite us together in the gospel. Unite us together in your word and in these truths. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together in worship.